What's up, everybody? This is Dave from the content team. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. I wanted to set you up on what this episode is all about. So Max and I went to South Florida a few weeks ago at the National Real Estate Investors Club conference, uh, their annual meeting. And Max spoke from the stage about his story uh, about wholesaling and did some Q&A. After he was done on stage, he went out into the hallway, did some more Q&A. So for all of you out there looking for some nuggets, there's definitely some good ones in this episode, especially about how much follow-up is too much follow-up and kind of the art of negotiating, setting up your leverage. Remember, the sellers need you, not the other way around. We're here to solve problems. And don't forget, if you don't have your ticket to We Live 20 in Atlanta, February 7th and 8th, you can go ahead and pick that up at wholesalingelitelive.com. I think we have like 50 or 60 tickets left. So get on there, uh, pick one up, and we will see you in Atlanta. All right, enjoy the podcast. But something changed my life. Remember, I told you guys I was dyslexic, so reading wasn't my thing. So to be completely honest with you, at the age 30 was when I read my first book cover to cover. I mean, I didn't read Dr. Seuss when I was in school, none of that stuff, none of that stuff. So from cover to cover, I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And that book, I know everybody says, but that book made me think about everything that I thought I knew from the age one to 30. And I just started to rethink everything. And it opened up my mind, then I, then I found Audible. How many of you guys know what Audible is? You can listen to the damn books, you ain't gotta read them no more. <laughs> so I just started getting Audible, I just get new emails, new emails, because every time you sign up you get one free book. So you gotta go create a bunch of Google emails and now you get this book and this book and this book. So I got 20 books, I got 30 emails, 20 books, but I'm now listening to books because I'm like, this is where the power is, it's inside these books. But Rich Dad, Poor Dad opened up my mind to begin to start thinking again, right? It was just amazing. So here's the thing. How many of you guys ever flew, when's the, who, whoever, who flew here? Did anybody fly here, right? What did they say when you got on the plane, get ready to take off? What did the flight attendant say? There was a safety briefing, right? Right? They buckle up, safety briefing. So one thing they say every time you get on a plane, it's mandatory for them to say this. They says, in case we lose cabin pressure, the oxygen mask is going to drop from the ceiling. Right? And when that oxygen mask drops from the ceiling, it doesn't look like it's got oxygen in it. It might not be inflated, but I promise you there's oxygen in it. I want you to put your oxygen mask on and breathe, but make sure you put that oxygen mask on before you help the person next to you, even if it's your own child. So if you take that in life, you take that same scenario, that same safety briefing that they didn't give us, and you apply that to life, life has turbulences, up and down, and sometimes life can lose cabin pressure. How many of you guys remember 2008? Didn't it feel like life lost cabin pressure? But if you believe and trust in yourself and that oxygen mask drops from the ceiling, it may not look like it has oxygen in it, but make sure you put that mask on and breathe. And if you breathe, which is keep pursuing and perceiving through life, then I promise you, you're gonna be okay. But before you help anybody else, make sure you secure your own mask. See, it's human nature for us to always wanna help somebody when we need help ourselves. But I learned something over the last three years. 
Sometimes you have to be selfish in order to be selfless. What does that simply mean? It means that you need to help yourself before you can reach back and help anybody else. How many of you guys try to climb, climb a hammer, cl climb a, a ladder with one hand? It's hard. So it's better you get to the top and throw a rope down and pull everybody else back up. So this is what, well, one important thing that I learned. So when I found wholesaling, and let me tell you how I found wholesaling. One of my friends, his dad was, was rich. We knew he was rich since we were kids. We just never knew why he was rich. So one day, talking to him, like, hey, yo, isn't your dad rich? Like, we're broke. Isn't your dad rich? Let's go talk to him, <laughs> right? So we go talk to his dad. We go to the house, big, nice house. We go to the basement, and he's got, like, three computer screens on his desk. I don't know how he knew that we were coming, because I don't think we called, but he had a PowerPoint presentation ready for us. I was like, what the hell? <laughs> this guy's a full PowerPoint presentation, and he starts talking about real estate and talking about how he became a millionaire and how he's wealthy, how he has over 300 doors, 200 doors, and he collects, and he's showing us checks every month of two, $300,000 of just a rent roll. I'm like, Jesus. And then he goes over to this big filing cabinet in his office. It's like the, the big ones. And it's like three or four levels. And he opens up the filing cabinets, all manila envelopes in there. And he says, these are all my properties. And he goes. <laughs> and I'm just sitting there like, shit, I, I got to get gas to go home. I, gotta, I need to borrow some money from him. I hope he doesn't, you know, some, sometimes you leave people's house and they stand at the front door and they wait for you to leave. Right? They're waiting for you to start your car. I'm like, I hope he doesn't see me get this hammer out and knock on this damn thing. So, but in that whole time, he's talking to us for those three hours, what felt like three hours of him telling us how rich he was. He said the word wholesaling, and that's how he got started. And I'm like, what is that? And from there, I just typed it in the notes on my phone, and I just blanked out for everything else he said. And I went home. And I just started Googling. I started YouTubing. I started podcasting. And I didn't come out of my room for about three weeks. And I don't know how many of you guys got immigrant parents, but you have to eat when they say eat. As soon as they turn the stove off, you better come downstairs. My mom was not having it. Six o'clock, get downstairs to eat. I am knee deep on YouTube University. I can't leave class. I'm in it. So three weeks later, I graduate with my master's degree in wholesaling from YouTube University. I got the printout and everything. <laughs> and what do I do? I start driving for dollars. So how many of you guys have ever overdrawn your bank account before? Come on, be honest. All right, cool. I thought I was the only one here. Shit. <laughs> so I know that Bank of America would let me go about $300 deep before they cut my card off. <laughs> right? So if you buy a Snickers for a dollar, it's $36. <laughs> Come on, y'all done it before, right? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Fucking $36 Snickers is pretty good, right? <laughs> so what you do is you, you fill your car with gas. I, I don't care what, put the premium in there too, because I think they say it lasts longer. But whatever you put in your car, add $36 to it, because that's what Bank of America is going to charge you for using their money. I'm cool with that. I know I'm at my wit's end. Bank of America is it. I'm like 300 bucks. I fill up the car for the last time, and I said, I'm going driving for dollars. And I go driving for dollars in a neighborhood that I grew up in in North Carolina. On the same street I grew up on, I find a house 
That is exactly what they're talking about in the podcast and the YouTube. It's got tall grass. The bushes are unkept. Trash is everywhere. I'm like, this is it. I'm about to be rich. <laughs> so I look the property up. I go to the tax, go to the tax records, and I look the property up, and it says something like Betty Sue Ayers. I'm like, all right, that's a weird last name, Ayers. I don't know. Like, Who's named Ayers? So I go home to try to find this person. Come to find out heirs mean that you passed away and your, your people that you know, come after you are your heirs. I didn't know that. I thought it was somebody's last name. But I don't know anything about how to find this person now. So now I learn a new word. So Google is your friend. So what led me from heirs led me what they call probate. So I need to find out about probate. And a lot of people don't take the initiative to find stuff their own. Now these days, they'd rather ask the question than to go look for it. So probate led me to that my city has a probate office. So what do I do? I walk myself down to the probate office and I say, hey, can I get the file for Betty Sue? And she says, yep, I'll be right back. And I'm like, oh my goodness. <laughs> you know, I had on a nice jacket and everything to look like a lawyer. I was like, this must be the jacket. So they hand me the file and I open up the file and I have no idea what I'm looking at. But I don't care, man. I got negative 300 bucks in my account. And I, 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 I got to win. I'm looking through this file, and there's this file called uh, Administration Application Letter. And that simply is the person that is applying to be the administrator of the state, has their name, their address, their phone number. I take a picture of it. I go to my car. I did not, I did not start it right away. I, you know the hammer story, right? So I'm in the parking garage, and I call. I make that phone call, and this lady picks up. And she says, I says, hey, I'm a real estate investor. You know, guys know I had negative $300 in my account. I was not a real estate investor, <laughs> right? So I say, I'm a real estate investor, and I see that you have this house on, on Flintfield Drive, and I'm, I, I want to purchase this property from you. And she says, well, you actually called at the right time. She's telling me this whole story, how she let a friend rent it out. She inherited it from her great aunt. And they, they hadn't paid rent six months. They left the house. It's all abandoned. Like, they don't know what to do. They can't afford the taxes. And I'm like, this is exactly what they talked about in YouTube University. This is it. This is like prime. So I says, well, what do you take for it? And I said, uh, I don't know the rules at this time of negotiation. And I said, will you take 30 grand for it? She says, well, I don't know. Let me talk to my husband. Um, he has a crazy job where he's on the road all the time. I'll call you back in a few days. Cool. So before I can get my car started, she calls me back. And she's like, how about 35 or something, like, something like 40,000? And I'm like, mm, how about 38? We got a deal. And I'm like, oh my goodness. I'm sitting in the car. I got negative $300. I just told this lady I'm going to give her 38,000. Where the hell am I going to get this money from? You know, but remembering from YouTube University, if you have a deal, people are going to come. And I went home. I took my mom's lawnmower, put it in the back of the truck. I got the hedge clippers, and I started cutting this grass. Started cutting the bushes, because I know I had to take a picture of it. And I did all that, and I stand back, and I take a picture with my iPhone, and I put it on Facebook Marketplace. 
and before I can rake up everything, car drives up. Lady comes out with her family and says, is this the one for sale? Hispanic lady. And I'm like, yeah, go inside. Back door's unlocked. Actually, there's no back door. Go, go back there. <laughs> um, she goes in and she comes out about five minutes. Later. She says, oh, it's too much work, but thank you for letting us show her. Not too long after that, I'm packing up, get a phone call from a lady. Hey, do you have a house for sale? I sure do. She's like, um, well, my husband, we just finished flipping a property, and my husband's out of town, but can we come see it this weekend? Sure. Long story short, this guy, Greg Pontillo, becomes my first buyer. You'll never forget your first deal, let me tell you that. Greg Pontillo calls me. He says he wants to see it. Then his wife goes see it, and they agree to a term. And I remember September 28, 2016 is when I got the contract. October 6 is when I signed it and made $14,000. Right? So there goes my first deal, all within just a hustle mentality. So I go from negative 300 bucks to $14,000 in my account. Woo! Right? So now I'm addicted. This was cool. Remember, I, you know, military, it took me a whole year to make $19,000. This guy just handed me a $14,000 check. I was getting shot at for 19 grand. I just cut some grass for $14,000. I'm addicted, right? So I just start going and going and going. In about a year's time, I made almost a million dollars, 800 and something thousand dollars that year. Still living in my mom's house, right? Eventually I left, right? I, you know, I got to go to the bar and you know, you know what I'm talking about. I couldn't have any girlfriends over. So now I got, I went and got a small apartment. But the story, what I'm saying is, is that wholesaling is the gateway drug to real estate. It gives everybody in this room, I don't care what financial position you're in or whatever it is, it is, gives you the opportunity to get into real estate and learn real estate. And from there, I now own multifamily properties, I own apartment complexes, all this stuff, all within three years. So everybody understands what wholesaling is, right? If you don't raise your hand, I'll explain it. I got no problem, I'm here for like 45 minutes. Perfect. Wholesaling is real simple. You go out and find a problem, a distressed property, distressed person that owns some property that they want to sell it fast. They want to sell it for cash, for whatever situation. You could inherit the property, you could be behind on mortgage, you could be moving, relocating, getting remarried, getting a divorce. Whatever the problem happens, they need to sell it fast. We negotiate a price on that property for lower, for a deal, for a deep discounted price. In return, we're offering them cash in 30 days or less. Once we get that contract, we get what we call equitable interest on that property. So we then now, for that 30 days, for that 20 days, whatever how long we have it under contract, we can go out and do whatever we want to do with the property. Now, we don't own it, but they can't do anything with it either. But they agreed to sell it to you for X amount of price in 20 days. Now it's up to you to go out and find somebody that is in the business, how they make their living on flipping properties. And if the price is good enough, that person is going to pay you a fee for assigning them your rights in that contract so they can go execute it to go do what they want to do with the property. And that's why I say most people have probably already done wholesaling, they just didn't know. Because flippers sometimes commit to too many properties. They see a couple of good deals, then they commit to three properties, then they're saying, wait, I only want to do two of them. Then they hand one of the properties to their friend for like a $3,000, $5,000 fee. That's wholesaling, right? So what we do is we make it a repeatable process and we create a business out of it. We spend a lot of money marketing to distress situations, abandoned homes. We go very in detail to find somebody that does not want to be found. 
and we get that property. I mean, I've bought properties from people in prison, people in Mexico, people in all, all over the world. I've bought properties from people that just abandoned things. And it's, it's a real problem for the neighborhood because it, it brings down the value of a neighborhood when there's a abandoned property. Sometimes there's crime going on in that property. It, it, it's bad for the city because they're not collecting taxes on a property that's just sitting there abandoned. It's dangerous for the kids that live in that neighborhood. And it also hurts the property value around it. So us being able to find that person, bringing, getting that house under contract and getting it restored back to its proper value and the proper thing is what we do. So we solve problems, that's all we do. We solve problems that most people won't go out and solve in real estate. These type of properties won't be listed on the MLS because they're distressed, right? Um, and with distressed properties, real estate agents are just gonna tell you to fix some things up and they're gonna allow you to go out. They, they won't list it unless it gets to a certain thing. So wholesaling is real simple. We just made it a repeatable process and turned it into a business. Yes, sir. Well, I want to ask you, can you explain more? How did you get, how did you buy a property from prison? Somebody in prison? Yeah, so that's a good question. So there was a property uh, in North Carolina. I forget how much it was. I know it had a few acres with it. It was a property. The, the guy that inherited it, the guy that bought it actually had a windfall. So he, had, he came upon some money either from a lottery or something. He bought a property. Anyways, he was addicted to drugs and he actually getting locked up. He got locked up in Florida in a prison. So he was in a state prison in Florida. And um, we had to go through, each prisoner has like a counselor or their, their go through, their, what is it called? Social a social worker. Each prisoner has a social worker. So in order, to, I had to get on the phone and talk to this guy or send an attorney in to do it, however you want to do it. And I had to tell him, hey, look, I can get you, you know, probably two million honey buns in there if you sell me this property. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, that's the currency, that's the trade. I can get you no cigarettes because it's smoke-free, but I can get you two million honey buns. I can trade this property for two million honey buns and you'll be set for the rest of your sentence. No, but seriously, you go in there and once they agree to that, you send the contract to their counselor, um, social worker, and that social worker will have a, they have a notary in prison as well too, and they'll sign that and notarize it, and, and we have an official contract, and all the closing attorney or, or the title company is going to send all their documents to their, to their um, social worker to get everything signed. So even though you're behind prison, you're behind bars, you can still sell your property. You do whatever it takes to solve a problem. Uh, I have a few questions. Yes. So one is regarding wholesaling. Mm -hmm. um, how, how is, what's the best way to close a motivated seller? I know with motivation, usually they want to sell it, so it's easier. Yeah. And then the second one has to do with owner financing. After you've gotten your wholesaling business up and running, everything's yeah. going well, how do you transition to that? Good questions. So um, what I really talk about a lot is that we're problem solvers. So essentially, you can't convince somebody that wants to sell their property for a million dollars to sell it to you for 600000 It's just not going to happen. But if somebody has a problem that they're willing to solve, we've all done it. We've all paid more for something for convenience, or we sold something for less just because the timing was correct, right? So if you can go out and solve someone's problem. See, negotiating and selling is all about finding a pain point, right? So if I go to a car dealership to go look for a new car, there's a couple reasons why I need a new car. One, it could be the end of the tax season. I just need to spend money because Uncle Sam's going to take it. So now I need to show you everything that's in your budget. Two, your car could be currently broken down and you need to get you something from A to B. So once I'm talking to you as a person, I love talking to people. Once I find out what your pain problem is, I'm going to try to solve that because that's all you care about. And if I can solve your problem, you're going to give me what I want as long as I give you what you want. So selling is all about a win-win scenario for people, right? 
So always try to find the problem, identify the problem, and solve it for that person. Remember, there's two things in every contract and every real estate deal. It's going to be the terms and the money. And no two person can get both, right? So if you want to sell your house, your house in seven days, I'm going to give you less money. If you're willing to wait and you want to do terms, I can do everything all the way down to owner finance. So let's talk about owner finance. I really don't do owner finance deals, but what I love doing is subject to deals. So what I do is, uh, subject to is essentially when you buy a house subject to the existing financing that it has, right? And I don't really talk about this much because it's a very complex um, way of investing. But essentially, I'm gonna give you a story of a house that I just bought uh, a few weeks ago. Um, a lady was pre eight months pregnant. She was going through a divorce and we were like weeks before Christmas. Um, they were three months behind on a mortgage on a house that was worth 200,000 and they owed about 120, let's just say. I don't remember the exact numbers. They owed about 120 on it. But the house was in disrepair, right? Because they had dogs and they had children and they didn't never had the money to fix it. So you couldn't put the house on the market. So the house is worth 200,000 fixed up. She needs money now. She didn't have a car. She was going through a, a bad divorce and it was something that she couldn't do. So I agreed to pay her $25,000. So if, I, so if she has 120 in it, let's just say 125, now it's 150 in the property because I, I, she's got an existing mortgage for this. And I remember I had to pay about almost $6,000 to catch the mortgage up, right? So total, I got about $31,000 cash into the property. But with 31,000, I gained a $200,000 asset. One, that's great for taxes because now the, I'm, the line item deduction when I do my 27 and a half year is, is the value of the property, right? And then two, my assets just went up and there's no way in the world that you can turn $2,500, $25,000, $37,000 into a cash flowing that's going to give you X, right? So what we were able to help her with is she needed a car and she needed it now. So what I did out of that $25,000, I took $8,000 and I helped her go get a car because she was pregnant. She needed to go back and forth to the doctor's. So nobody else can do that. So I gave her $8,000 and then we went to closing and I gave her the rest of the money. So what happens is now the property goes into a trust because I don't want to trigger what they call a dude on sale clause. So the trust is named after their family. So it just looks like whatever. So the point that I'm making is we're able to solve her problem. We inherited a property that's worth 200,000 and we only got 31 grand in. We're only going to do about seven to 10 grand worth of fixing in it. And the mortgage on it, the PITI, was only about 900 bucks, and it rents out for about 1600 So for about $31,000, maybe forty grand, I created a positive cash flow of about, you know, four, five hundred, five, six hundred bucks. So that's the subject. So I love acquiring properties in that way, subject to. Now, owner finance is great. If you can, if you can find somebody that do, does owner finance and that's willing to give you a flat payment over a certain amount of time, it's, it's like zero interest. It's the best way to go, then you can wrap it with something else. And that's why I said wholesaling is just a gateway drug. Once you get in it, there's so many creative ways to do things, it's gonna blow your mind. But start, start at the wholesaling, get creative, and you're gonna run it. What happens is you're gonna run into problems that you can't solve through wholesaling. Because the numbers didn't work. I couldn't wholesale that property, I couldn't buy it for 120, then wholesale it for X. So I had to go in there and do something creative for it to work. And she still walked away and solved her problem. I hope I answered your question. Hey guys, my name is Mello, and I saw on one of your YouTube videos, you were on FaceTime with William Dennis, you were speaking about uh, wide marketing strategies, and you also talked about um, deep marketing strategies Correct. very lightly. 
Can you expand on what beat marketing strategies really mean? Yeah, so we have, in my company, we do two types of marketing. You do wide marketing and deep marketing. So what wide marketing means is that we're gonna blast out to anybody, for example, somebody that owns a house, a house in South Florida that lives in Colorado is called an absentee owner, right? But you, you guys got a lot of, what they call snowbirds that come down here halfway? But, so whatever, an absentee owner is a wide marketing, right? So essentially I'm gonna send them a letter or whatever it is every you know, 30 days, hey, I wanna buy your house, I wanna buy your house. And what happens is they're probably not motivated, but, but there's a possibility they could be. So that's wide. So deep is when you actually go after identify problems. One is where you hang out at the probate office because people have inherited properties that they don't want. It could be uh, tax foreclosures. That's a deep marketing. It could be um, you can, uh, properties that have, uh, what you call that, when they have uh, problems with it, that they get a code violation list, code violations. Um, those are all deep marketing because you've identified a pain point and you want to go deep on that because you know there's, there's a problem. So anything that you can identify the problem up front, foreclosures, all that stuff, that's called deep marketing. We spend more money on that deep one because we can identify what the problem is and maybe solve it. Have you ever just stood at a probate office waiting for people? Waiting for dead people? No, not dead. I mean, that's, that's, that's. <laughs> waiting for the people to file. No, so there's, there's a system, right? So if you understand how your county probate office works and how they intake files, then you'll understand the frequency of how often you need to go there. Now, I know in most counties, probably somewhere in East South Florida, they're probably all online. So if you study online, right? So if you know the, the probate office as good as you know Snapchat, because I know you know Snapchat good, right? All right, so if you know the probate office as good as you know Snapchat, then you'll be golden. You could probably all do it from home in your underwear. Yeah, good luck to you. Hey, Max, how's it going? Doing well, thank you. Real quick question. Um, me and my team, we're, we're doing deals, but a problem that we're running into right now is, um, you know, we, we talk to the seller, they agree on our number, everything is good. Just when we send them the contract, they, they have a problem not signing. Yeah. And then when we call them, just go dark on us. Yeah. I don't know if it's something that we're doing wrong or is it some miscommunication? You know, can you, you yeah. 100% it's you. I'm joking. His, 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 uh, his question was, he, he gets good deals. He goes to the house. He goes to solve their problem. He sends them a contract. They never sign it. Right? That's a, that's a, because what happens is you haven't set enough confidence in them that you're going to do exactly what you said you're going to do. Right, because if we agree on numbers, we agree on terms, and you present the contract to me at home, first of all, that's one mistake. Right, so anytime I'm dealing with somebody in town, I'm gonna get it signed. Here's, listen, I don't go to properties to view them, I go to them to buy them. So when I'm at that house, there's a contract in my hand. I'm not gonna go home to back to my office and send you something so you can go fill out. No, it's just you're, you need to tighten up your process because once you agree, once the iron is hot, could imagine this. Imagine if you came to a car lot and I, this beautiful car, and I'm showing you this beautiful car and it just looks great and you're ready to go and you're like, this is the car I want. I said, great, come back in two weeks and I have it ready for you. You're like, what? That's how long it feels when you say you're gonna go back to the office and send a contract. You need to have enough confidence in yourself where you have the contract pre-filled out, except for the numbers, and you just get it signed when you're there. All right? Yeah, absolutely. Hey, Max. Yes, sir. Jason. Uh, I have two questions. Mm -hmm. The first question is, when you had no money, how did you buy the property? I didn't, right? Okay. So a key thing about wholesaling is you never actually purchased the property. So when I first started, the only thing that I get, I actually did contracts with no money, which I wouldn't advise people to do, right? 
So you have to have some type of considerable consideration on the contract in order for it to be binding. Right, but in wholesaling, all you simply do is you get the property on a contract. So what my company does now is we, we only use we only put down two hundred bucks for each contract. One hundred dollars goes to the escrow company, and another hundred dollars goes to the seller for me to buy what they call due diligence period. Right? So I usually like to do a five to ten day due diligence period because what that does allows me as a company, as an investor, to do my due diligence. Because when I leave that property, there me I may not find a buyer because I did it wrong. But if you properly bought time, which they do in every real estate deal, if you ever sold anything retail, there's a due diligence period and you pay for it. It's just something you give up. So I never actually bought the property. So when I first started, I had zero, zero money down in escrow, zero money down. I wouldn't really recommend that unless you really got to do it. But zero money down in escrow, zero money for the due diligence period. Back then, I just said an inspection period. You never, you never, you never bought it. So you have this contract that gives you equitable interest, right? So let's just say if this MacBook right here, if this guy was selling this MacBook because he wanted a ticket back home and he needs, to he needs to buy a ticket next Friday, right? That MacBook, he comes to me, I meet him in the hallway, he says, I wanna sell this MacBook, it's like brand new, I got, I spend 200, I you can buy it for 250 bucks. I say, cool, meet me here next Friday with the money. Between, if me and him sign a contract, between now and next Friday, he can't do any, he can't sell that. I mean, he could, but I could sue him, right? Just if this was higher numbers. So the point is, is I have what they call equitable interest in that MacBook. It's his, but it's mine too. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. So until Friday, he can't do anything with that. So between now and Friday, it's your job to go out in the hallway and find somebody that'll buy it for 300 bucks. Got it. My second question is, um, if someone had, so do you, do, you, do you speak to your, the people who are buying the property first to see what they're looking for? No. Or do you just go wide and do you care about the neighborhood? That you're, that you're buying a property. A neighborhood's important, right? So you don't want to put a property under contract in an area where somebody, nobody's flipping, right? So I don't know the areas down here enough to be like, hey, nobody's flipping in that area yet. But if I know that MacBook is worth 1200 bucks and the guy just gave it to me for 250 and I know I'm only going to sell it for 300 bucks, I don't need to, I don't need my calculator to know that's a good deal. Somebody in this audience that's probably not even looking for a computer has 300 bucks in their pocket, but just knows it's a good enough deal that they're gonna do. But then there could be somebody in this audience that owns a computer repair shop that knows he can sell this thing for 700 bucks. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. So a true deal always has a buyer. Great. Thank you. Absolutely. Hi, Max. How you doing? My name's Candy. I, um, so I did my first deal mm -hmm. uh, with Con your 30-day challenge. Congratulations. Um, so that's one of my questions I wanted to know because I was explaining this to somebody else. That first deal netted $12,000 and I split it with somebody, so we both got six. Mm -hmm. um, I was really uncomfortable coming from being a mortgage broker, but I did not know how to do this. Mm -hmm. So I simply started writing for dollars, which was day one. Uh -huh. He told us to do yep. work through the process. From that time, I've been absolutely obsessed with watching every video and every bit of information that you have put out on YouTube. Thank you. I probably know Max Maxwell better than Max does. You probably do. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess my, one of my questions is, is there a place where you can actually go instead of wading through all the YouTube videos mm -hmm. where it just gives you that 30-day challenge? So, Because I've talked to other people who don't have a clue on how to do this. Yeah. And I've always said, you need to do the 30-day challenge through Max Maxwell. Yeah. Um, and they're like, is there some place where I can go that I have all 30 days? Yeah, so we, we have them posted on our Instagram starting from November 1st, I think it was, yes. all the way to the 30th. So if you just go back and watch that in that succession, you can do it that way. I I've, I've know that people learn in different ways. So me and my team are working on trying to put out something that people can consume in their own timely fashion where they don't have to go hunt for it. I'm a hunter. 
So I like getting in that deep YouTube hole, right? So, but I know other people like to have it condensed in here. So we're working on it, we're just so busy, but if they really wanna go now, go to my Instagram, start November 1st, and work their way all the way up. Um, do you still have the RE, I think it was the REIA Pro program that you, you know what I mean, for the skip tracing and all that, you still do? REI Skip? Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. still, okay, mm -hmm. and it's still an option too then? Yes, ma'am. Thank you for helping me. And I did not plant her. I did not. She's not paid. I was going to say, because of this, you need to take a photo of me for my vision board. I will do that. All right. Absolutely. You can do it right now. You my guys. All right. Go I'll get it from Jeff in a minute. Okay. How you doing, Max? I'm, I'm doing well. How you doing, well? I know that disposition works for me and my team. Mm -hmm. So we, we have a pretty strong buyer list for like South Florida. Mm -hmm. But we do a lot of JV deals in like Northern Florida. And we don't really have buyers like that. So we're looking for buyers. And where at? Um, let's say Polk County, for example. Mm -hmm. We have buyers now, but we're always looking to add more buyers. Yeah. So when we pull a list, I wanted to know, is it better to speak to the buyers individually mm -hmm. or when we get a deal, just blast it out to everybody? Individually. Individually? Yeah. And then you need to start looking outside of people that are already buying real estate. That's one of the mistakes we do uh, as, as wholesalers or anybody that has, has a turnkey company, we always look for people that are already buying deals. I like to sell my deals to doctors and dentists. I know they have money and I know that they have to spend it for the same reason I have to spend it. So they understand real estate. It's a tangible asset. So start looking outside the traditional way. So I look for like first, so like look for like first time. No, 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 not first time home buyers, but people that have money that are W2 rich. Expectation that I got partners. So, and the next thing I do is say, Hey, look, I give them permission to say no. You know, that's why a lot of people run away from salespeople. I'm going to tell you straight up from the gate, listen, I wish I could buy every house that I walk into, but the reality is I can't. Okay? So if we can't come to terms today, it's no problem. I still, we'll still go get coffee one day or something. So I'm giving them permission to say, hey, this don't work, because in our business, a maybe is the killer. You hanging in the limbo trying to chase a seller that's ducking and dodging because your number was too low and you're crazy? You need to hear yes or no. Got it? So set the expectation with the seller up front that you have partners and you work with the team and that you're out, it's you out there. And, and, I, and this is true. We meet as, as investors in my area once every Thursday. So I tell them, either I'm going to buy the deal or I got friends, we meet every Thursday. And if I'm not going to buy it, I'm going to pass it on to somebody else. But you're still going to get your price. Don't worry about it. You're being honest. Because that's really true what you're doing. Yeah. All right, you're welcome. Hi, Max. How you doing, sir? My name's Gary. And uh, first, I want to thank you for all you do to help people. To thank you, sir. I appreciate that. Life. Thank you. And, um, thanks, thank you. I'm not someone who's done a wholesale deal myself personally, but mm -hmm. I did work with some people years back. Mm -hmm. And I was a guy writing the contracts. Maybe you take it from there. So I never really learned the whole process. Mm -hmm. And now I'm kind of like, all right, I, after seeing your videos, I'm like, if this guy can do it, you know. You're damn right. Absolutely. So anyway, um, some of the things that are said out there, you know, like you talk about, you know, just for clarity, like the due diligence period and the inspection period, are those two separate periods? Yeah. So I used to have inspection periods, but essentially I just called it a due diligence period. Ah. Why is because... That's what everybody that sells one or two houses their entire life knows it as. Inspection sounds scary. Right. Due diligence doesn't sound that scary. Okay. So that's what they use in most realtor board contracts, right. a due diligence period. I saw uh, Sean Terry. Mm -hmm. Good he friend of mine. Video, he's talking about 
where um, he's not using an assignment contract. He talked about how he would just have um, um, the buyer actually buying from him, actually give him another contract. Be two contracts. It's called double closing. Okay. Yeah. So it's he, just, he said something about not using assignment. Yeah. So it, it, there's many ways to skin a cat, right? So a double closing is essentially I'm going to take it to closing and I'm going to close on it in the morning and I'm going to sell at it, sell it minutes later. And the only reason you, I, I, I don't really do that, right? Okay. So you still do the assignment. Hundred so percent. Because how many of my cash buyers care if I assign you the property, right? As long as your numbers work, it don't matter if I'm making five thousand or fifty thousand. As long as the numbers work for them, they don't care. If a buyer screeches at your assignment fee, find new ones. Right. Okay. I promise you, they, they'll, they'll buy it from you. Good buyers are hard to come by, but they're out there. All right. Hope to get to shake your hand. Absolutely. Come do it now. Don't just shake your hand now. <laughs> nice to meet you, sir. You My too. pleasure. Quick question. Yes. Um, initially, in your first deal, I heard you mention how if you knew more about negotiation, you wouldn't have said the first 30000 Would you accept that? What would you have said differently? I wouldn't have threw my number out there first, right? Because I anchored myself. Like, she's only going to go up from there. She's not going to tell me, oh, I'll take 28, right? So just, just being able to, I was just nervous on the phone. I didn't know what I was doing. I had negative 300 bucks. So 30 sound like the same as negative 300, right? <laughs> so I just, just told, I just told 30,000. So you would wait? I would wait, yeah, because what happens is when, when, when I get on the phone with the seller or when I go out to their house, the only thing they want from me is a price. Once I give them the price, I'm useless to them. So I dangle that carrot for as long as I can. I allow them to start saying, and it starts with, so where do you think your house fits? And then questions like, so what are, what are houses in your neighborhood selling for? Okay? And then before I ask them prices, I start going around and talking about repairs. So what do you think that kitchen costs to take? Oh, it's 20000 bathroom. Now they're getting prices from, I don't know what you call them, what's, this, what's some websites? They're getting, they're getting repair cost prices from home advisors, right? So they got $30,000 kitchens and $20,000 bathrooms. We don't pay that. No, we don't pay that, right? So then it starts to add up. And then they're like, yeah, I want $100,000. I'm like, but you just told me it was $60,000 to repair everything. Does that make sense? Oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. So you anchor them. You allow them to anchor themselves. Thank you. Absolutely. Uh, thank you so much for everything. Yes, ma'am. My question is, um, I'm not looking at it from a business perspective, mm -hmm. right? It's more uh, create passive income, mm -hmm. right? At starting at the age of 30 to have it for the future. Yeah. Um, what recommendations, I know I'm going through YouTube University, Conference University, I'm researching, mm -hmm. right, for the next. Slow down on the Conference University, it gets yeah. expensive. Right. <laughs> I mean, I know so, I'm at a conference, but I'm just, but this one was cheap. This was, I like the way they did this yeah, one. Yeah, this one was good. So um, my first question is A, um, I'm not gonna be a broker, but mm -hmm. should I get my real estate license to kind of just continue my research? And B, how do you build your network of cash buyers? Yeah. Like, do I just do it? I, I wouldn't feel comfortable with my friends in corporate America and say, hey, you looking to buy a house? Like, is there another strategy, tactic, or an, another way for to be able to contact these people? Yeah, so what was your first question again? Sorry, I got attached so to the last one. my first question is, should I get the yeah, real so, license so, for research? No, so okay. being a real estate agent doesn't make you a better investor. Okay. Most of the times it makes you a terrible investor because you got to unlearn a lot of the things you know about real estate. Okay. I'm not bashing nobody. I used to be a realtor too. So um, the second question is how do you grow your cash buyers list? You work in uh, corporate America. I do. Right? So good. Keep your job until you're ready to leave. Don't be trying to leave nowhere because I'm not going to pay your bills. Right? <laughs> the idea behind that is you need to start telling your friends that you just purchased a rental property. 
bring it up at the water cooler. And then you'll start seeing who else is interested in that. And you start talking more about real estate on your break and you see who else is interested. You say, I could probably get you a property like I just got, whatever that is. But the, and always don't, don't be afraid. People love, I mean, it's, friend, it's crazy that people and their friends don't talk about money. And then if you don't want to ask them directly, say, hey, do you know anybody that's looking to buy a rental, uh, rental property? Don't ask them. Ask them if they know anybody. Right? Because if you're at a certain level in a W-2 job, you're surrounded by the similar executives, right? Yes. So you need to be having that conversation. Hey, you know anybody that's buying rental property? I just, you know, I'm looking to buy one and I just bought one or something like that. Or I have one that I might be interested in selling. And then that conversation starts to trickle. But then the thing is, what I love to do is anytime somebody asks me, hey, how you doing? I'm doing well. Just looking to buy one more property this month. They'd be like, what? I said, I'm just looking to buy one more property this month. Like, what you mean? Oh, I'm a real estate investor. Yeah, anytime you see a distressed property, let me know. I'll buy it. That just sparks a conversation. So always be telling people about it. Don't be afraid to talk about it. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys, man. I appreciate you. Yeah, man, you're good? Yeah, man. That's easy. You got <laughs> Thank you, sir. Thank you. Appreciate you. Absolutely. Thank you. How you doing? You probably don't remember me. I was at the other meetup. Which, oh, yeah, over in that, uh, that office space thing, right? Yeah. Why, are you putting a contract in front of them? You're saying? Uh, no, no. Not like the ones that we go to, like the, the appointments, we put in the contract. But then you can be like, oh, I don't want to sign right now. My turn needs to see it. So, so when you get there, you got to prep and say, look, if we can come to an agreement today, is there anything that's stopping you from us signing and getting a deal done today? Before you even start. Because then you say, because they, are you the decision maker? Are you the decision maker that can make this decision? See, I love setting the expectation. That way they, if you know it's a common problem, right? If you know like a problem always happens every single day at the same time, then you got to set up because you know how it's going to happen. You know exactly what's going to happen. So you need to preface that joint with something else. You need to be like, listen, are you the decision maker? If we can come to an agreement today, are you willing to sign this contract today? Is there anything that's stopping you from signing the contract today? And if they say, yeah, my attorney needs to see it, say, okay, I understand. But you need to have, you need to have that up front. Say, so who's your attorney? Can we, let's get your attorney on the phone right now. Most of the time they be lying. Did you tell them about the Sunny Isles deal we just did today? No, just oh, yeah. We have a deal like that today? I'm sorry, Max. Yeah, He's no, on the yeah, yeah. Look, we got a deal today, a, a $1 million dollar house, mm -hmm. 705 mm -hmm. offer. Yeah. I just sent her a two page. Mm -hmm. I sent her a 12 page last week. I said, which one do you want to use? Yeah. And I said, how come you didn't sign it? She said, you didn't put numbers in there. I said, you just wanted to show me your attorney. I sent her a two page. She just texted me, said she's going to send it to her attorney. Maybe Monday she'll have an answer. There you go. That's now, what's, BS. now is, is that BS? It usually is. Just blowing smoke? It's us it usually is. And that's where sometimes you got to step in there and you got you to gotta show up and you look like that. And they're going to be like, because, you know, we young. They don't. They, yeah, they, yeah. You, you looking like sharp. Yeah, sure, credibility. Sure. You look there like, yo, you gonna, what are you going to do? So we might have to throw knocker tomorrow. And you got to say, listen. The only th this was my favorite lines when I leave the house. Look, I understand you got to have your attorney look at this contract, but the only thing that's going to change when I leave this house is my ability to buy your house. When I leave here, I got two more appointments. Now I've already I've already earmarked three hundred seven hundred thousand for you, but if I go to this property and he's willing to sign, then I may not be able to buy your property anymore. I'm an investor, but I don't got all the money in the world. And you make a joke. You know what I'm saying? I already got a buyer for that house. I found them here today. But you see, you see what I'm saying now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're saying you're now doing FOMO. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When she's fear of missing out. Oh, okay, okay. Right? 
Pastor Mike. Yeah. So when when you when she says, listen, I got to get my attorney. Look, I respect that. I actually advise you to get your attorney to do that. But here's what we say: if we sign this contract and we put with waiting for approval for attorney, that way I don't got to come back out here and you call me if you say you don't want it. We rip the contract up. I'm gonna give you three days. But I'm gonna tell you something. We have X amount of money to spend each month. And the only thing that's gonna change when I leave here is my ability to buy your property. Understand that. Because I got two more houses to go look at. And if one of those are willing to, and I like them, and one of those are willing to sign today, that takes money off the table that I'm able to spend this month. Or next month, or this quarter. Okay. Now she's like, okay. Maybe that attorney thing is crazy. And you gotta, you gotta ease the pain. You gotta say, listen, man, everything that goes through goes through the title company or attorney in Florida. Attorney has to look mm -hmm. at it. If you back out of this contract because I'm doing something wrong or legal or something, you can back out. But the only thing, like I said, the only thing that's going to change when I leave here is my ability to buy this property. And I'm not pushing you forward because I advise you to get it looked at if you don't feel uncomfortable. But we do this three or four times a month. Okay. I even put that on the contract yeah. that, she can, that she can cancel a contract anytime if I fail to perform. I even put that on the addendum. Yeah, so you got you to get that. I love setting that expectation and knowing up front and, and, and really tackling it up front and saying, listen, are you the decision maker? If we come to the agreement today, is there anything that's stopping you from signing the contract if you come to an agreement? And if they say no, because everybody likes to be the boss, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. No. So, you don't, so you, you don't have to run this by your wife? Or you don't need to talk to your husband about this? Or you don't need to call your son or something like that? Okay. Well, no, we I don't need to call nobody. Two, two of them have to go run by their wives, right? Yeah. We had two people that said that. Mm -hmm. They gave us a number. They said yes, but they got to talk to their wife. Listen, I'm, if, oh, you got to talk to your wife? If they say yeah, if they say yeah, I have to talk to my wife. Hey, let's get you. When is the time where you and your wife can be at the house at the same time so we can talk about this? Because that whole back and forth mm -hmm. thing, you got to tell them. Like, I got some money, but I don't got all the money in the world. And we buy three, five properties every single month. You got to tell them, yo, I ain't going to have all this money sitting around waiting for you when you decide to sell. Well, I don't want to move in 90 days. Great, we'll close in 90 days. Put on a contract. I've had contracts lasting six months. It was six months out. Mm -hmm. Lady was going to move at the end of the Closing school year. Date, six months. Yeah, six months. You know how that's what we should do with the Davis Roadhouse. Yeah, the, like, the guy went dark on me. I finally texted mm -hmm. him for New Year's. I sent him a letter. He called me, Richard. I, I still want to sell you my house, but I'm not ready right now. His son, he, he doesn't know where to do with his son. Yeah. Thirty-year-old son, dope smoker. You know. Yeah. yeah. Rent, See, rent free. So, how would you approach that guy? I'm solving problems. Yo, what can I do to help you and your son? You, you need a place to stay. Where you want to put him? You can get his apartments. You want to stay in where you want him to go? West Palm. All right, cool. Listen, I'm gonna call some people. Call some. I'm gonna find a couple apartment options. I'm gonna give you. Make it an easy transaction. We're solving problems. Mm -hmm. If on mm -hmm. the other end of that is thirty thousand dollars, yeah, I will call you. I'll move this shit for you. We, we did that, Tim. We yeah. all, we offer everybody that. We'll help yeah. you move. You'll find you a place to stay. So you have to really be a problem solver. Right? But how much is too much follow up, though? But you, I mean, borderline harassment. I mean, till they tell you to, to really? off. Yeah. Till they just tell yeah. you to stop. Somebody's the answer. Like we'll call like three times back to back. We called from call. a different number. That we did that. Yeah. Out of state. We did that just we tried to do like the Google Voice. Everything. We used three or four different numbers. The numbers and then we'll switch it around. Same yeah. And and when he picks up the phone, man, you had me worried, man. I thought something happened to you. Oh, I like that. I like that. Oh my That's God, good. I'm calling you and you're not picking up the phone. Remember that, Jason? I was That's I was amazing. I was thinking the worst, man. Don't do that to me. Now it's like now it's like oh shit, you know what I mean? That's a good. You know what I mean? That's a great one. Yeah. And when so you got to be able to like. That's amazing. So people, you know, you, trust me, you just play you, after a while. You start getting this so often. You're like, damn, how am I yeah. gonna defeat this again? Right. And then when he picks, oh my god, I, 
thank God I thought something was wrong with you. <laughs> you know what I mean? And he's like, oh, oh shit, now I feel goodness. bad. I'll never ghost you. Listen, if you don't, if you, the main reason why people ghost on you because you didn't give them permission to say no. And that's why I said on stage, that's always, great always give there. permission. Hey, look, if we, and this is before yeah. we get into the house and start going, listen, man, I wish I could buy every house that I see, but you know, you and I know that's not real. So if we can't come to agreement today, look, no problems. I run to you in Starbucks, I'm still gonna say what's up to you. So that gives them the comfortability to relax and say, I can say no. Mm -hmm. You can say no anytime. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Mm -hmm. Now, would you put an out clause on a contract that you can cancel at any time? No. Because I had a couple of people do that to me. No. It was no. kind of messed up. No, no, I wouldn't, do, I wouldn't give that much freedom. I, I think I might have screwed up on that one. Yeah, but you know, if you, maybe maybe say if you don't perform, right? well, that's any contract well, that, anyway. Yeah, well, that's what I put. <laughs> that's I put what a contract I is. If I fail to perform as a buyer. Yeah, that's any contract anyways. So, um, I've been wholesaling for a while, mm -hmm. successful marriage, but MLS stuff. Mm -hmm. But I need, I want to get, not want to, I have to get like off market. Yeah. I mean, I'm good at like renegotiating mm -hmm. and all of that stuff, but I really want to get off market for two reasons. Um, the first reason is to feel like I'm actually helping people. Yeah, Because when you're I working see. with realtors, you don't yeah. get that. Even with a big, you know, wire yeah. or whatever, you don't yeah. get that satisfaction. True. Just to feel like I'm helping people and also this person. What would you suggest, like, as far as, like, structured marketing mm -hmm. is concerned? I would pick, if I were you, I'd pick, like, two lanes of, of deep marketing. So I'd pick two things that you would want to research and get real good at, right? So that could be the probate, that could be taxes. It can be divorces, it can be pre-foreclosures, and get real obsessed with those things so that you understand the process in the state of Florida like the back of your hand, and then start going out and marketing to those people at a very aggressively. Because, and if you understand the process, so for example, I knew that in the state of North Carolina, I knew how a foreclosure had to happen, even if it was tax or it was a deed foreclosure, I knew the process. It was in the state statute, and it was like, this is exactly how it has to go. So I knew the first, piece of paper that entered into the court system that it was an alert that this property in 120, 90, 120 days is going to go through foreclosure. So I read that in the state statute and I was like, oh my God, nobody knows about this piece of paper. Right? It's a simply, it's simply when the mortgage company um, finds, finds, no, they don't file a default yet. They hire a substitute trustee because remember, they're the trustee on the mortgage. They hire a substitute trustee, which is an attorney, to go do the paperwork. So then I was like, oh crap, this is the... So now what I would do is I would go to the clerk of court and I would pull those every single day. And it was just an indicator that it was the... That they, that's the next step after they get a notice of default in the, in the mail. In the, and then I was like, oh, I found this. I'm like, I'm just going, hey, I'm going crazy on it. So find something, find a vertical that you want to go, want to go crazy on and then market it like crazy. Like as far as like this, I guess the systems mm -hmm. are concerned, like I love ringless voicemails. I know you guys are like a real popular area. I went area. to Shot Terry's, John Terry's um, thing last week. So yeah. I was doing it, but in Florida. It's so crazy, right? Yeah. So, like, so texting is. I had some, uh, an attorney say yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Texting is Texting is becoming the new thing. Um, but then cold calling is also something that you just got to get good at. Yeah. Right? And then once you get good at it, you can hire out because you know what to expect. So I would look into text messaging. And there's a what company in South Florida from? called Smarter Contact. You can use that here. Smarter Contact. He might even be here. Just now, and he said he had some issues. I mean, it may be it a did, temporary. It did. It issue. did go down, like recently, yeah. for like a day or two. But come on. Okay. We, Smarter Contact. Yeah, just, it works. Thank you. That deal machine. I, I never downloaded the app, but I hear you talk about it. Is that something that 
I mean, it sends a postcard, but does it keep sending it? Or yeah, is it you can have the settings. You can say send it six times every 28 days, whatever so formula you want. So you each time it sends a mm -hmm. postcard out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The first thing I would do is collect the addresses and try to call them first. Okay, yeah, I just signed up on your REI skip. Okay, yeah, then you know it's 15 cents a piece, so you're better off finding the address, skip tracing it, giving it a call to see, and then because ma mailing is an expensive form yeah. of marketing. Yeah. So everything, I'm just, all, what I like is you can, you can go on the online version of Deal Machine and download the list that you've populated okay. in Excel format. Okay, yeah, because I've, I've been just talking in my phone. I got the voice recorder yeah. address and notes and then yeah. going yeah. back home and looking things up. Make it easy that way. Put it in the, capture it on Deal Machine, go to dealmachine.com online, and then download the list in Excel format. So you don't format. actually have to have the postcard go out? No, no. Yeah you, yeah, you don't have to send a postcard yet because you can okay. send it to you got to approve it. It's just a cap. I like it to just capture properties. Okay. Wow. With the picture. All Absolutely. Right, man. Thank You're, you. My brother-in-law's in Raleigh, so. Maybe. Oh, is he? Come on down. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Be good. Stay safe. All Thank right. you. Don't be guy. Nice to meet you, man. Super. We got a question. So mm -hmm. when you were talking about the wholesale thing, right? You know, first property that you got. Mm -hmm. So what I was wondering, so you had like a contract written up that say I was going to um, buy this house to say thirty grand mm -hmm. in like thirty days or whatever. Mm -hmm. But you want to then you just appear to sell it to somebody mm -hmm. else from the get go. Middleman. That's it. So what if you don't find anybody in that that certain time? So that you have you buy it? No, you have that due diligence period, right? Well, so the. I do 10, oh, right? 10 right? Right? So the five to 10 day do just, I try to get 10, my contract's 30 days. So if I know, and you know if you don't have a deal fast. So you just back out of Hey, look, yeah, you just write a letter. I'm officially backing out of the deal for whatever reason. And just do it as quick as possible. Oh, right? You go, my deal is out of, our, in our office, we get a deal within 24 hours. It has pictures and it's in all the buyer's hands in 24 hours. We know the moment we send it out if it's a deal, because we're gonna get text messages, phone calls. I want to see it. I want to see it, and we know we got a deal. Yeah, so if you go to my, if you go to my website, therealmaxwell.com/contracts, you're gonna see my purchase contract and my assignment contract. You just get your idea, read it, and then you'll see where it says due diligence fee. I put a hundred bucks in there, and I give a hundred dollars to the title company, the escrow company, and that's all I got in the deal. And if I back out, I get the hundred dollars back from the title company. And then they keep the $100 because that was the, the, I bought that time. Essentially, so if I buy 10 days for 100 bucks, I bought it for 10 days, $10 a day. I don't feel bad about it. No risk involved. Appreciate you guys, man. Thank you. Appreciate you guys. Y'all be good. What's up, man? How you doing, brother? Brian, man. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Huge fan. Thank you, man. My partner right here is Kevin. You met him earlier. Nice to meet you. Yeah, 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 for sure. Brandon, nice, nice to meet you, brother. Mr. Black. Oh. Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> yeah, we did our first wholesale a few months ago, man. Like that. Big part of that. Yeah, man. where was it at? Was it around here? Deerfield yeah. Beach down here in, in Broward County. Broward, yeah, yeah, yeah. Willie, Willie Numbers is down yeah. there. Too, yeah, so yeah, yeah, that's my guy, yeah. Competitive as hell down here, man. So we're just it trying is. to stay competitive. Yeah. Stay consistent, but. What's good about this area, man, is it's competitive with your wide list, but if you get down in your niche list and you start learning stuff that most people don't know, William is good with taxes. Like, he knows everything about delinquent taxes and stuff, so you can't mess with him when it comes to that. Right. He's finding out about that stuff way before people know about yeah, it. Right, right. So that's his niche, and he goes deep on it. Yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. 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 Especially like 55 and over left condos, right? There you go. And then you get hit with the annual $6,000. Yeah. yeah, they have a lot of country yeah. clubs. So, like but there's, pe but there's people that specialize in that shit. Yeah. The guy you've seen on the stage, the billionaire dude, yeah. he specializes in 55 plus communities. You see what I'm saying? Especially probate, because we're trying to attack probate. Yeah, probate is, like you mentioned it before, we're in South Florida, so mm -hmm. it's a hub. Mm -hmm. So we're just trying to attack yeah. that as best as God's waiting room. Stay consistent. <laughs> That's right. That's a whole a lot of probate. Yeah. 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 So we're just trying to stay consistent. Mm -hmm. We're, you know, we're taking actionable steps every day. Yeah. And uh, we're just, we're just happy that you came down. 
the demographics you went for. It was just, like you said, it was zero. I went at the problems. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't care what they looked like, what their age was. I wanted the problems. I wanted tax delinquent probate properties. I just was going deep on it. Man. Yeah, man. I got a flight to catch. Yeah, let's take a picture. Yeah, man. I got one with you already. Quick in and out. I love it. I love meeting people that know nothing about my story because it's always interesting being able to tell it over and over again. I love it. And the best part about it, it inspires people to go out and do their own thing. So, Dave and I left, had a 7.30 a.m. flight this morning, and we'll be back home tonight at 7.30 p.m. So, the grind never stops. Appreciate you guys. See you later.